Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with me, Dr. Christian Jessen. This is your weekly podcast prescription that's known to alleviate a wide range of symptoms. However, as always, for some bizarre reason, the lawyers require me to say this to you, and that is, if you should feel ill during the course of this podcast, please don't carry on listening, but instead seek medical advice, either by calling the NHS 111 helpline, consulting your GP, or visiting your nearest hospital. The opinions expressed in this podcast are obviously my own and those of my co-producer, Alex. How are you, Alex? I'm all right, thank you, darling. Welcome back. Oh, thank you. You're sounding a bit croaky. I am very croaky. I've had flu. Proper, not man flu, but proper, I can't get out of bed or move or do anything type flu. So have you you been ill this this January? Oh, I I was ill on Christmas Day, which is always a corker. Yes. Yeah, big pukey horribleness. Oh, yes. proper norovirus, proper norovirus. exorcist vomiting. Five o'clock in the afternoon, I got up and saw my family, but yeah, that was really exciting. Oh no, you poor thing. <sighs> We've both been poorly. We've both poorly. It's good been for poorly. weight loss though, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, this is really annoying me because this Christmas, I didn't have a Christmas dinner, I put on more weight than I ever have done before. How is that possible? I don't know. Oh, it just drove me nuts. Anyway, today I'm turning the tables on you, my friend. I'm quite looking forward to this. Because <laughs> I think after all that Christmas bloat and the Christmas success, I really wanted to talk to you about New Year, New You. Uh, I know. Yeah. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah. But I want to talk about detoxes. I want to talk about alcohol. I want to talk about what we should all be doing. Should we actually be doing anything? Etc. Etc. Okay. Can I just start yeah. by asking you about those headlines? New Year, New You. I mean, they really irritate me because it makes me feel like if I lost five pounds, then my whole world would change, yep. and I'll be extremely happy and probably have more money and just a better and, life. And uh, yes, yeah. and I feel it's really bad to keep pushing this New Year, New You kind of thing. What would you say to that? I would agree with you 100%. If it annoys you, don't do it. It's as simple as that. And also, you know, one thing I, I quite often say is February is a much shorter month <laughs> to do these things in. So actually, forget January. But January traditionally is a fairly miserable month, isn't it? Yeah. It's grey, it's cold, it's post-Christmas come down, it's, you know... So why then add on top of all that further misery by trying not to drink, trying to lose weight, trying to be all health conscious and righteous and go to the gym and make yourself even more miserable what i often say to my patients if they do want to do something like that is well hang on 
skip January, you know, ride that through, maybe consider starting it in February instead. And then you've, you can ease yourself in gently. That goes down a lot better if you have to do something at all. But I think my main issue with it is there's this always this sense of being on something and then off something. Mm. And that doesn't really work. You know, because you're on it, that implies I'm behaving myself, I'm doing this, and then I come off it. What does that mean? Going back toward the old ways? Have you actually made any long-term changes? You know, we should be making changes that we keep up forever, shouldn't we? Not just trying something and forgetting about it. And it's all a bit half-hearted, isn't it? So what do you think about dry January then? Well, depends how much you drink. Do you like drinking? Well, you know my answer to this. I don't know your answer to this. Well, I do. My answer is a definite yes. I do. I was thinking about this the other week. I was thinking most of the funniest things that have happened to me possibly in the last decade have been when I've been drinking with friends. So the question then has to be, why do you want to do dry January? Well, I haven't done it this year because I had such a miserable Christmas. I thought there's just no way. So I'm doing a damp January. I'm sort of like <laughs> drinking just one one glass of wine on a, a Friday. January. It's just a little bit moist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just doing that instead of going the whole hog. And I have done it many, many years. In the uh, I've done dry January. I've done dry September. I've done a lot of drying out, as it were. That makes me sound like an alcoholic. I am not. I'd like to just (laughs) say that for the record. But I do like a drink and I do like a glass of wine. And I find that everything... How bad is it for us, Christian? Well, so what are you hoping to achieve from Jai Jani? Because this is the other thing that I think all these new year, new you nonsense, Mm. I think it's very misleading. So what a lot of people, I think, believe is that by behaving themselves in January, it atones for all the sins for all the rest of the year. So they can behave, you know, like an absolute lout for the rest of the year. You can drink what they like, do what they like. That was a very judgmental comment, but you know what I mean. Um, but that sort of four weeks of good behaviour in January will 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 cover all the other sins of the rest of the year. Well, of course it won't. doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Mm. So a lot of the drinks charities actually sort of do advocate having time off. But it, it would be far better, for instance, to get into the habit of, say, drinking every other day for people that drink every day. Now, that means... Imagine if you're drunk every day and you turn to drinking every other day. You've cut your alcohol consumption by 50%. That's a huge amount over the course of an entire year. But actually, all you're doing is drinking every other day. Is that really going to bother you that much, do you think? Maybe. Maybe it isn't. You know what works for you. Mm. So rather than just going, oh, for 28 days, I'm not going to drink and I'm going to be really miserable and find it really hard. And then the rest of the year, I'm going to be back to my usual self, which is not going to do me any favours at all. doesn't really make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. But we do have this, and it's probably the hangover guilts. I must admit that, that it probably is. But that feeling that we are really letting the side down by boozing. Um, how bad is it? Because it's uh, like now I think we're getting to the point where everyone's saying, just don't do it, just don't have alcohol at all. Mm. How bad is it for us? I think there's no doubt that of all the drugs, if you were to rank drugs, um, you know, in, in a sort of scale of how much harm globally they cause, alcohol is right up there, number one. Professor David Nutt, who we've yeah. interviewed in this, you know, he does his sort of yearly bad, bad boys of drugs list. And alcohol is is pretty nearly always number one on the list. It's sort of up there with crystal meth and heroin, which I think people find hard to, to get a sense of perspective over, but it's the amount of damage it causes. And because alcohol is so... You know, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous, isn't it? It's it's part of life. It's ingrained in life. You'll know trying to give up alcohol or, or, or reduce it. It's very, very, very hard. Mm. 
And it's for that reason, I think, that it's so normal, that it becomes so pernicious because it becomes so hard to avoid it. Imagine if you're an alcoholic trying to avoid it. Everything is about have a drink, do this, come for a drink. Come, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. And Finty Williams, remember when we interviewed her, yeah. she was to- definitely talking about the fact that it's it, the fact that you have a, a birthday card and it's all about champagne corks um, going off or whatever. That it, it is so ingrained, isn't it? It's everywhere. And do you think that's a very British thing, or do you think do you think that we as a country have a bigger problem than other places? I think definitely we as a country have a big problem here, and we have this slightly. I mean, this real teenagery attitude. It, it's look at the birthday card. It's yay, you're 18. Now you can go and get pissed. Um, and it, it's this sort of everything is geared up to now you can drink, which is a little bit sad. Is that the biggest exciting thing that happens when you're 18 is that you can drink alcohol? Well, you know, I went to a school where we could drink in the sixth form and that made a huge difference because we had a six form bar. We got a little bit pissed when we were 16, 17, and it was sort of overseen by teachers and things. When I got to university, to medical school, I wasn't really interested in drinking then. It was it was just normal. Everyone else who'd never drunk before went completely off the rails when they got to university, started drinking like fish, you know, and, and, and quite a lot of them actually really did quite badly, failed their first years and things because they just couldn't cope. So I think that sort of attitude of, well, hey, suddenly you can drink now is is not great. It's that continental approach to just a little bit in the background, making it a more normal thing. There's a lot of alcohol charities that say that's not good, that encourages problematic drinking when you're older. Really? I think the research is, is to be decided actually on that. Yeah. But it's very difficult. I mean, what would you say to a parent that's maybe concerned about exactly that? I mean, do you allow your kids when they're 13 to have a little bit of wine with dinner? Um, is, is that something, Do you th- would you say that that was a good thing? And I don't think there's a right answer to that. Right. And that's the really tricky one, because this is where we get angry letters in. So, you know, a lot of drink, drink charities will say, well, any alcohol to a child is, is, is wrong and you shouldn't do it. Um, and it's normalising alcohol. Well, actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with normalising alcohol. It's what you then do with that normalisation. So does that then turn into a drinking every night to cope with all the pressures of everything? Or do you have a fairly sensible, moderate, balanced approach to alcohol? You know, and is it balanced by your going to the gym and doing some exercise and whatever else it is that you're doing? You know, and I don't think we get that right in this country, do we? We're very much all or nothing. We can't really find a sort of healthy middle ground. I was going to say, because that was my next thing, was... There will be occasionally, normally a girls' weekend or something like that, mm. which is very bingy. How bad? I know that we. I know that I know this, but I want you to be really honest. How bad is binge drinking? How bad is a Saturday night where you're just like, oh, sod it, go for it? I think. Um... The problem is, yeah, binging definitely not so good. So I would say a more regular, consistent intake of alcohol is probably better for you. Or let's say put in a caveat, less bad for you than that sort of occasional binge and, and a binge which is a binge is not very much it's about four or five units I think per person so Depends what is that woman. is that two large glasses of wine yeah I mean most of us binge drink therefore don't we yeah by that definition I yeah. think it's a silly definition actually but there we go who am I to argue with that but you know the majority of us once you've had let's say half a bottle of wine that's a proper binge well you could argue, I mean, my parents definitely have half a bottle of wine most nights, you know, they binge most nights. But one of my other issues with the sort of dry January concept is that we definitely think from a scientific point of view that that regular alcohol consumption 
you're more better able to deal with it, to process it and metabolize it than this sort of on again, off again, on again, when your body is just not used to it and it's it's all over the place and suddenly, right. you know. So that's the other reason I'm not a huge dry January fan because I'd rather consistency mm. or at least looking at, okay, I'm only going to drink every other day, like I was saying to you, than this idea of I'm going to have nothing for a month and then way back on the lash again for 11 months of the year. Jeans. How much has jeans got to do with it, do you think? Uh, you know, can some people just get away with being a boozer, uh, enjoying a drink, and then uh, because they've got good jeans, or they've got the genes that can handle it and they'll live till 90, or are there some other people that just... We definitely know, you know, alcohol increases your risk of breast cancer. If you're a woman, it increases your risk of all sorts of things, heart disease, um, a number of different things, which we don't need to list them all. But... Your family history then plays a really big point. So if you come from a long line of alcoholics, all of whom ended up with problems, or you've got a long family history of breast cancer, I'd be a little bit more nervous about deciding to embrace alcohol with a vengeance. You know, mm. I would be I would be thinking twice about that. Um, so your genes do play a part, but they're not everything. We all know Granny, who smoked, you know, 100 a day and lived to be 104 and never had any problems at all. But we also know someone who died at 30-something from, from smoking. Um, how do we work out who's going to do well and who's not going to do well from that? You can't. Life's about risks, isn't it? And you have to decide what do you really enjoy and why do you do it? And that's the thing that no one ever asks. Why do you drink? Why are you wanting to give up dry journey? What are you hoping to achieve? What are you worried about? Do you drink? Yeah. All right. Okay. So what do you do it safely, do you think? I think it's more of a question of do as I say, not do as I do <laughs> as a doctor. <laughs> you see, this is the thing, because when you talk to doctors... Well, you look all very self-righteous. And then, and... and then they do that thing with your units and you're like, oh, cranky, do I really want to go into that? Oh, yeah, I have about three units a week. Yeah, right. Really? You know, I mean, like, and I always want to say, how many units do you have a week? <laughs> but my alcohol is very varied. So I've just been poorly and, you know, I haven't drunk for a couple of weeks, but then I will enjoy... Now, I'm in a really tricky situation because my partner works most evenings so I'm on my own in the evenings and yes I'd quite like a drink at the end of the day but I'm very aware that oh drinking on your own thing is not a great you know situation to get into yeah but I have started doing that I will open a, a bottle of wine you know but of course and you're on your own suddenly that bottle is nearly gone and I'm thinking okay so I am sort of you know I need to get that in check and I need to watch that but because that's really not ideal. I think those are the danger times. Are you starting to open bottles on your own? Or what time do you open it? Is it five o'clock, half past four, half past three, you know, as soon as you get home? Are you literally gasping? I must, I must say, I think that my relationship with wine sort of like became, because obviously it was always very social. And then when I had kids, having a glass of wine at about seven o'clock was quite badly that little reward when they were when they were really little and you're just so shattered and it was actually the only way I could talk to my partner because otherwise all I wanted to do was go to bed and just maybe sob quietly oh. <laughs> because I was just so like it was when the, when the first two were really really little it was quite stressful yeah and um yeah I think it was the only thing that got us through was our little glass of wine at seven o'clock and me saying I'm just so tired. And I think it's the only way I managed to string a sentence together was that glass of wine. So I don't, I don't see, I feel bad that I then feel guilty about that. Do you know what, what I mean? Where's that, the guilt that, coming from? I think the guilt is coming from because we keep getting told how horrific it is for us. But at the same time, I think that 
a glass of wine with my partner and telling him how horrific the day was or whatever when I'm absolutely exhausted. And it's the only way that I can string a sentence together and be a bit, feel a bit human again and a bit more like me. Actually, I don't think I should, I should have felt guilty about no, that. I don't think you should at all. What's more important? And what's more important is you have some time with your partner. You can unload whatever frustrations you have. He can sit there. He or she can sit there and listen to you and acknowledge your problems. Um, and neither of you feel guilty about that because it's not easy. I think piling, piling on more and more pressures to feel guilty about on top of worrying whether you've done this and that right for the children or whatever it is, yeah. is, is, is just, you know, we do make life incredibly difficult for ourselves, don't we? And I think there's a lot of self-righteousness. I mean, I find health magazines really quite annoying. Those full of healthy, bright, shiny people in stretchy velour tracksuits and, you know, on the front of the covers on January looking all great. They annoy me because you just know there's going to be, you know, it's going to push a whole cohort of people in the opposite direction because mm. they're going to look at that. And like stubborn teenagers, they're going to go, well, I'm not doing well doing that, you know, and they'll just do the complete opposite of what it says. That doesn't help. When someone comes into your office and um, your surgery, sorry, and says, um, I drink this many units, do you double it? <laughs> That's the old myth, isn't it? Um, I think you can sort of tell. So uh, this might this will horrify him for selling it. But my dad, what we worked out, has around 60 units a week he drinks. <sighs> yeah, I know. So I went sent him off for a liver scan. Annoyingly, he was absolutely fine. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, that's going to backfire, isn't it? Because he's going to carry on. But 60 units a week, quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. He won't mind me saying that, I know. But um, that's – I wouldn't be doubling that, but I would thinking – if it's 60, it's probably a little bit more, actually, isn't it, on a good night? And do you think he would tell his doctor that that many years? He did, yeah. He, he did. did? Yeah, because that's what I organised. I was going to do a liver scan for him because I'd secretly hoped it would show some sort of early reversible changes that might persuade him that this was a little bit too much. Annoyingly, it didn't show anything at all, you know, and I thought, but he is a consistent drinker. And I think this is part of my argument because he drinks consistently. Mm. His body's a lot more used to it. And if he was a sort of binger, stop, binge, stop, I think he'd run into far more problems, actually, than he has done so far. He's still trying to cut down, but... So that's why I got onto those speakers in Tori Molinos with the girls <laughs> binge drinking of that that's day. Why. That's, why. that's why. You see, your dad wouldn't be doing that. How many people do you think actually in the country stick to those guidelines? What is the guidelines? What is what's, what are we very meant to have? Very, very few. Very, very few. Is yeah. it? It's very few. I think, I mean, I forget what the current ones are because they keep changing, but it's, it's for women, it's something like 14 units or something. It's, it's quite small. Yeah. Um, one of the ideas, one of the theory behind it is that the economists got involved and they did something called nudging. So if you were to, you know, if I pitch to you a number that's sort of impractically small, actually, you're not going to end up on that number, but you're going to end up somewhere near it, which is actually where I want you to be. And so everybody's happy, you know. So what a lot of the sort of scientists and things who've looked at the government's guidelines have thought is that actually they've gone for really, really stupidly small numbers to scare you into drinking a lot less. Perhaps that's worked. Perhaps it hasn't has it so it's like the speed limit yeah where i think there's masses of inconsistencies is with drink drive laws a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's bonkers you know the fact that you're allowed 80 um, milligrams per deciliter of alcohol in your blood how can you work out what that is you know i feel really strongly about it and i have huge arguments with people who live in the country versus me who lives in london mm. i think it should be zero mm. because i don't think we can guesstimate what our blood alcohol levels are and it's the way that it affects us is different for everybody isn't it you know um, a glass of wine for me and a glass of wine for you will have a profoundly different effect yeah so I don't know why we muck about going, oh, you can have a drink or whatever it is that we say. You know, there's a certain amount. How are we supposed to gauge that? It's mm. insane. Now, my friends of mine who lives in my country, a doctor friend of mine, you know, she says, well, actually, it's not fair. It penalises us because we'd like to go to the pub and have a drink and drive home. And, and actually, we can't. And I sort of think, well, you can. But what do you think about that? Oh, it's such a grey area because I do live out in the sticks, but I've got a pub at the end of um end of our garden, which is convenient. <laughs> well, it's very convenient for for my partner, but yeah, not so convenient for me. It annoys me sometimes, but yeah. So we don't need to. We can easily walk, and I think that if you've got somewhere that you can walk to, then it's, it, it's when we moved out that you realised just how focal a pub is. What a brilliant place it is! Um, our local pub has people from lots of different generations going to it. For one person, I would say it's the main place that they go to to have interaction with people or they probably haven't seen anyone all day. Older so, person, is An this? older person. So you kind of think, so sorry, I've moved it on from that yeah. with the drinking thing. I personally think with the drinking, I think it should be zero because, as you say, it could be I have a glass of wine, I get it behind a wheel, but I haven't eaten all day. Yeah. I know in myself when a glass of wine's made me go, whoa, or when a glass of wine's been... Nothing. It hasn't touched the sides. It hasn't touched the sides. Yeah. So I personally think it should definitely be zero. Um, but as far as the pub and community is concerned, it's quite a vital part of our lives is the pub at the bottom of the garden <laughs> um, and for other people around. And I wanted to talk about something else, which is when I have given up booze and done, say, two months or something like that, it's put a bit of a strain on my um, relationship because I think... We do like to have maybe a glass of wine, talk about the day, have dinner. All I tend to do is he'll still have the glass of wine. I'm just getting really annoyed with him because he's starting to sound a bit ridiculous. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't. So why don't gel. you both do it? 
Oh, I don't know because there's no there's no point trying to make somebody do something that they really don't want to do. And I know that he probably would not. The thought of dry January would just fill him with absolute dread. And probably a bit like your dad, he'd probably be just like, "What's the point? What's the point? What's the point?" And you can't. I think that's the other thing with alcohol that you can't. It has to come from you, doesn't it? You really got to want to do it. I mean, I've had a lot of experience with family relations and stuff, and you think that those people were never going to stop. Didn't want to stop. Never going to stop. No. My worry is always, as I said before, that you, okay, let's say you do manage to stop for, for January, but you kind of go back with a vengeance. You're so glad to be back on the yeah. horse again that I'm sure, and okay, I haven't got masses of evidence to back this up, but there's got to be a whole group of people for whom February is a drinking to catch up kind yeah. of month, you know, rather than a carrying on as I was before. I'm absolutely sure of that. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I had my 40th in February one year because I was going to do dry January yeah. and my birthday's in December. December. And uh, yeah, that was it was a brilliant party. But oh my God, <laughs> it, was, it was everybody just getting back. It was just... literally proving that point completely. Yeah. Um, moving away from booze, because mm. I don't want to sound like an alcoholic. Um, going on to sort of like these detoxes where you give up dairy or you're giving up meat or you're doing veganary. Yeah. What do you think of that? I'm again, it makes me hold my head in my hands. So I see young people who basically have very poorly disguised eating disorders, you know, disguised within the sort of cult of veganism and vegetarianism and, you know, going off dairyism or whatever it might be. I'm not saying if you... So, you know, again, I have friends who, for ethical reasons, have decided they don't want to eat meat because they think it's cruel. And I think that's absolutely admirable. You know, I think if you're doing it because you think it's particularly healthy or actually, as I said, more often than not, what I actually see is a sort of poorly disguised, disordered eating, um, you know, hidden amongst that sort of faddy eating. And I see it more and more and more people coming in. Why are people with eating disorders nearly always vegetarian? What's that about? it's a very, very, very common thing that I see it, you know, and actually it's just one more thing. It's another whole group of foods that we can give up mm. and it's another way to avoid eating. So there are real dangers there. So I think if you know that you're prone to it, if you know you're prone to real insecurities about your weight and how you manage it, then giving up whole food groups are is really not a good idea at all. The other thing to say is that it's incredibly easy to get it wrong, horribly, horribly wrong. So I see so many people go vegan or vegetarian and end up piling on so much weight or they end up on a terrible diet of sort of stodgy beige coloured stuff and that's it because it's quite hard to find the variety and the colour and the choice in, in vegetarian for cooking um, and so they just end up on this stodgy grey bland diet they end up putting on weight they end up not being very happy and you think what was the point of doing that? You know, if you have ethical reasons, great, but you've really got to work hard as it because it is so easy to get it so wrong. What about if you cut out, say, wheat or you cut out dairy? I mean, do you feel like you, uh, would you ever advise that? Because some people do have an intolerance, don't they? But do you think we all have an, how no, would you, no, yeah, how no, would you do it? So, how would you, know, you deal with if that? If we have a diagnosed medical condition that you definitely have a gluten intolerance or you have a lactose intolerance that's a real thing it can be diagnosed you know you go off the thing you feel better you add the thing back in you add the substance milk feel really awful again you know that's your answer but as I said, for the majority of people, it's just a sort of faddy health thing that, that's just another reason to eat less. Now, some of us, that may be no bad thing. You know, most of us overeat. 
But actually, for a lot of young people, as I said, they need to eat more and they need to eat more variety. And so cutting out yet another whole group of food is a really, really bad idea. The detox thing is a real there's so many misunderstandings. There's no such thing as detox. You know that. It's it's a it's a marketing concept that doesn't exist. Your body doesn't need to detox. Well, you have a liver and you have a kidney or two kidneys. That's what does your detox for you. Nothing else. You know, you can buy it. I've seen special pad things that you wear on your feet in bed. And it's sort of got hurt. They're like giant tea bags for your feet that, <laughs> that draw out toxins from your body through the soles of your feet. And you have to think, how stupid do you have to be to think that these giant tea bags are actually Oh, I'd probably do buy the giant tea bags. If someone told me that it was going to make me slimmer yeah. <laughs> or give me a bit of detox, the giant, those giant tea bags are going on my feet. There's very little critical thinking in life, isn't there? Mm. And this is something I wish we'd teach kids and I don't want to get too ranty but it's that you know when you spent a lot of time in in an airport you've got quite a lot of time to kill and you go and you look at posh really expensive face creams and you read the nano pentapeptide lipid lipopolysomal and it's quite funny but it's also quite compelling and you think well there's lots of science in that I'm having that even though you know deep down it's just a load of utter rubbish you know collagen for instance you read all these creams about you know collagen for rehydrating collagen can't penetrate through the top layer of skin so if you've spent 100 pounds on a collagen lip plump cream it's a complete waste of time you might as well just pour the thing down the sink because it doesn't even get through the top layer of your skin what about collagen pills those things you can buy those can't you like, utter rubbish shut up utter rubbish are they really yeah complete and utter rubbish there's a collagen drink for rehydrating and regenerating the skin it's absolute nonsense it doesn't get anywhere near your skin oh well Sorry. luckily I didn't invest but I, w- I was going to that was on my, my to-do list I'll tell you what save I have save you money <laughs> save you money now supplements yes because I think that leads us nicely onto supplements should we be taking supplements because I was told recently I've had some hip trouble magnesium oh no that was more to do with my sleeping magnesium mm-hmm. um, to get a bit of that um, what do you think about supplements I'd say in the UK most of us are vitamin D deficient right. I, I did the general sort of bloods last year actually I was massively vitamin D deficient and I, I that was I came as a real I wasn't just low I was lower than low I sort of had no vitamin D at all and I thought actually it's not really a surprise because I haven't seen any sunlight in in months and months but most of us are pretty deficient in vitamin D so we could probably supplement in that is that just in the in the winter not in the summer it's pretty much all I mean it depends how much you like the sun if you yeah. manage to get outside and get a bit of sun on your arms and, and face that's a good thing but not everyone manages to do that what does vitamin D do. Vitamin D, um, well, it, it's 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 made by the action of sunlight on the skin. It's involved mm. in all sorts of different, you know, immunological processes in your body. But it's a useful vitamin that you need. Um, you can get it from dietary sources. Best thing is sunlight. But you know, if you work in an office and you don't get much time to go outside, you're not going to get a lot of sunlight on you. But what if we're d- vitamin D deficient? What do, what does that mean? I mean, wh- how would that affect you? Probably not going to do too much for quite a long time. I mean, but I was I was fairly tired and run down and getting right. colds and things like that right. and you know should have really known and of course never even bothered to think about it being a doctor you don't think about yourself I you love know. that doctors that are like the rest of us but in that I was sense. so shocked when my bloods came in and I was sort of not just deficient but pretty much you know almost in the minus numbers for vitamin <laughs> D I, I owed somebody else vitamin D basically I was that deficient I was I was really quite surprised um so I would say most of us could do with taking a vitamin D supplement. I think women 
quite often need a bit of extra iron, particularly if you're not a big meat eater, you know, because you lose blood through your periods. And I think that's very important that you supplement with that. Should you have that just during your periods or all month long? It's probably not a bad idea to have a have a sort of general supplement, you know, right. every day. Yeah. But, but this is again where we start to get persuaded by science and marketing. Actually, all you need is a really cheap, you know, supermarket own brand multivitamin plus iron. You oh. don't need very expensive bottle of science pill. That was my next question because there is a real uh, discrepancy, isn't there, in price? So you can huge, get your... And, and then you get these mega ones that are like 40 quid for a bottle of, I don't yeah. know, vitamin D. Yeah. And I often think, well, they must be better there's when more I'm in science the health food shop. And they're a lot more expensive. <laughs> and look at that lovely shiny glass bottle instead of that plastic one. So which one should we be going for? Cheapest. Really? Cheapest. Yeah. Sorry, I said that really loudly. I was just quite shocked. Oh well, no, but that was good. <laughs> I wish I taught you before I bought. I didn't buy the Is fifty quid one. Now, no, I did buy some. I did buy some supplements the other day. But and the marketing behind them is incredible. It's just like I said with face creams. The more science, and have you noticed? There's this whole movement for bottles of pills that look really sciencey. You know, they could be on a shelf in a laboratory, couldn't they? And they look right. There's a huge movement for that, and that's very persuasive because the more science there is, therefore the better they are for you. No, you know that 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 crappy little. Box of 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 a supermarket own brand product that's what 99p or something for a multivitamin is just as good and in fact the very high dose that movement you know to take high dose this doesn't the other pointless you just wee most of it out oh, you've, really? you've seen the color of your year enough you've been on a high dose anything you know it's usually bright fluorescent yellow yeah. that's because you're just peeing it all out that's so, like when you take Barocca and yeah, other things like and that and other things like that but you're just <laughs> weeing it straight down the loo Really? Yeah. So there's no difference. So so you would take if for me you'd go vitamin D, iron, would that be it? Um, depends again on what else is going on and uh, do we have other problems so, well I would say perimenopausal so perimenopausal the most important thing perimenopausal is your weight is you, you keep your weight within right. normal range which yours absolutely is so you don't need to worry I about that but for, that for women I would say the single most important thing for you to do is enter your menopause at a normal weight if you can do that you ensure yourself a ripe healthy old age ripe was probably the wrong word wasn't it less ripe um <laughs> Healthy old age. <laughs> um, but that's really, really key yeah, thing. shriveled. <laughs> a shriveled old age, that's really but healthy. really making me really happy about the future <laughs> and the years to come. My shriveled ovaries old age. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that's really, so you've got to just try and keep a check on on your weight and exercise. Yeah. That's so, and again, there's a lot of myths about, I think, how do you lose weight? You don't lose weight by exercising. This is another great myth that everyone, that no one ever tells you. You are never going to run off the calories that you've piled on probably over Christmas. You lose weight through how much you eat, all right, through portion control. They always say abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym, which is one of my favorite expressions because it's so true. You've been on one of the running machines in the gym and you've done half an hour and feel exhausted and looked at how many calories you've actually burned. And it's hardly, it's barely a Mars bar, yeah. is it? You know, it's nothing. And that's my point, actually. It's portion control and in what you eat each and every day, cumulatively, that makes a bigger difference. Um, you're never going to run off your Christmas success. It's impossible. Personal trainer I know always says you can't outrun a bad diet. So he's absolutely right, I or think she. That's quite a good. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. that's the equivalent of abs are made in the kitchen. You know, you yeah. watch what you eat, watch your portion size. That's going to do far more for you um, than thinking that by 
going to the gym every day and lifting really heavy weights and grunting and then having a huge protein shake afterwards that you're going to do yourself any good at all. You're not. So, Christian, if you had three things that we should be doing mm. in January or for the rest of the months in 2020, mm. what are those three things? That's a difficult question. I think, you know, what do you know that you have a problem with? So, you know, let's say if it is alcohol, if you are concerned that you're drinking too much, I'd say stopping in January and then starting again in February isn't really going to do you any favours because it's not going to do anything for the rest of the year about cutting down your alcohol. So instead of looking at it that way, why not look at it, okay, I'm going to drink every other day or whatever it is that you do that's going to work out as less because you can easily, you know, as I said, cut your alcohol by 50% for the entire year. That's actually really quite a lot. And by doing that every other day, you're not really going to notice it so much. It's unlikely you're going to really struggle doing that than going for a whole month without alcohol, which is you're far more likely to to rebel against. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you need to lose some weight, it's easier than you think. Don't think you can run it off. Don't join an expensive gym and stand there on the treadmill getting depressed that there's very few calories doing it. You know, actually look at portion control and and, and how much you're eating, but you need to be doing it together. It's no good if one of you at home does it and the other person doesn't, because as you know, that probably just causes a lot of friction, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger and a lot of fighting. But I think over and above all that, the one thing that never, ever gets mentioned, and to me is probably more important than any other aspect of your health, is downtime. And it's the thing that we never talk about. It's the thing that we're sort of made to feel guilty about. But it's as important as diet and exercise. So I talk about three pillars of health, all right? There's diet, there's exercise, and there's, for want of a better word, meditation. Makes you a bit like uncomfortable when I say meditation. But what I mean is, you know, it's downtime. It's that sort of, no, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at my emails. I'm not going to be on Twitter. I'm going to do something that I really enjoy. It could be listening to music, really nice music, and just having you time. That is really important for your own recovery and your downtime. And we never do that. We feel guilty about it. We feel really guilty about it. And that shouldn't be the case. So if you're going to adopt anything this year, it would be allow yourself some downtime, embrace it as as something that is as important as your diet and your exercise regime. Don't feel guilty about it. It will do you good. Does the downtime thing have to be a relaxing thing or can the downtime thing be sort of like, I, I went off with my son and we had a big walk and it was lovely. That's exercise. So it was exercise. That's exercise. You see, I would have classed that as downtime. I mean, you cannot, you, we start to get into the nitty gritties. Is it? Sorry, I'm say, getting into you know, the nitty gritties. I'm, well, I'm sorry, I'm just interested. That's probably exercise. Downtime is reading a book. Lion Sofa, read a book where you really enjoy the book, you're really absorbed by it. That's downtime. That's not work. You're gripped by it, but you're actually having rest and recovery time. You know, that's, but we feel guilty about we that. Never Why? never do that. I know. Well, you should. And that's, that is as an important part of your health as anything else. Well, is that, <laughs> has that been a, a fount that of knowledge? has been the font of knowledge that you are. And I haven't and told I you really, to give really, anything up, have I've I? Re- no, you haven't told me. I'm, I'm very pleased that, you've, uh, that it's not <laughs> New Year, New You and all that rubbish. No. It's more to do with just sort of like keeping, just maybe keeping an eye on things. Keep an eye on things. You know, moderation. Don't go to excesses and extremes. If it's making you miserable, stop doing it. It's as simple as that. I love you, Christian. That's about it from this episode of Second Opinion. Alex, I like you interviewing me. <laughs> it's really nice. And I could answer some of the questions. Thank One goodness. Only. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, it's been fun just to tour us. We must do this again sometime. <laughs> Don't forget, you can get in touch with us by emailing surgery at thepodcastworks.com or you can message me on Twitter at Dr. Christian. If you've liked what you've heard, then please feel free to give us a five-star rating and share us on all your social media platforms. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.